Hello. <laughs> um, my name's Steve Armstrong, and one of the teachers here. And I first came to IMS in '77, and uh, have been around uh, here in the Dharma Trail since that time. And uh, now we'll be here helping to share some of what I learned uh, during my earlier years here. And on my right is Carol Wilson, who I met here in January 78. And uh, we were just commenting that uh, we've known each other and been on the Dharma Trail together for 33 years, longer than some of you have been alive, which is an interesting thing to <laughs> contemplate. Um, and she too has uh, put in her, her time here and in Asia and spent some time ordained as a nun in Thailand and has been teaching three-month retreat for 20 years or so or more, 20, 25 years. And uh, so we're really happy to uh, have the opportunity to teach together again. Um, and on my left is Franz Merkel from Germany, Thailand, Burma, India, and the States at various times during the year. And also uh, a longtime uh, Dharma friend and Grateful Dead companion. And <laughs> getting the relevant facts out here. <laughs> and uh, we were uh, monks together in the monastery in Burma uh, back in the uh, mid-80s. And that's where we first met and have been uh, crossing paths on the Dharma Trail uh, since that time. And he also has been uh, teaching the Dharma and sharing awareness and movement for a decade or more. Uh, so we're also happy to have him uh, helping us on this retreat. Another, I think uh, Jill was identified to you earlier by uh, Elizabeth. And another fellow we want to introduce is uh, Bart von Mellick, who's sitting over here. Bart, maybe just stand up and yeah. turn around. Bart is uh, here as an observer to see how we do what we do. And sometimes he'll be practice leader, ringing the bell at the end of sittings and things like that. So just so you know that he has a little bit different role uh, than you. But in some ways, we're all here together doing the same thing, which is practicing awareness because that is really what um, we hope to do with uh, our time here, is to share our experiences and to share our knowledge or suggestions and really to share our appreciation of uh, a life of awareness and uh, invite you to also uh, practice and to cultivate uh, as best you can, uh, a continuity of awareness in your own life and your time being here so that you too can um, understand for yourself from your own immediate and direct experience uh, what awareness is, how to practice awareness, and to really uh, see for yourself the benefit of awareness. Did you all get a copy of the different uh, handouts? There were two handouts outside. Hmm? And you all got a copy of that? On the back of the schedule, the retreat schedule, is uh, uh, a short uh, grouping of words. Uh, if you didn't get one, just share with the person beside you, and more will be made available no, this is, later. This is still plenty out. 
Oh, there's some out there? Yeah. Oh, there weren't any on this side. So I want to speak about these encouraging words uh, on this uh, page because we all come from the different areas of life and the different degrees of busyness and we all come here with our own motivation, our own understanding, our own aspiration, our own expectations and we're all pretty uh, unique in some ways. And to really, um, when we come here, we, we join an intentional community for a limited period of time in order to uh, practice, in this case, to practice awareness. And all of the uh, differences among us are really uh, kind of put aside and we, we turn our attention towards the commonality of our being here. And I think if we went around the room and uh, we asked you, well, well, what brought you here? Uh, there would be more, more, uh, more answers than there are people, because some of us have two reasons. But in some sense, we're all here for a common reason, that we want to uh, learn something about ourselves, maybe learn something about uh, uh, life in general, maybe we have some deeply uh, personal questions or aspirations. They may be very ordinary or mundane. I remember years ago, one fellow doing a retreat here, when asked why he came, he said, as a joke, his co-workers in the New York City Sanitation Department gave him a gift certificate to come. And they didn't think that he would dare to. And he did. I didn't see him come back a second time, but you know, I haven't been here all the time. But nevertheless, and some of you may have been practicing for many years, that I know many, many of you have been practicing for many years and have kind of refined your aspiration. Uh, and maybe some of you even really want to liberate your mind. And anywhere in between is a good enough reason to be here. The practice that we do is, and the understandings that we'll offer this practice are essentially from the teachings of the Buddha. Uh, we have been practicing the teachings of the Buddha and, and studying them so and most of our teachers have been within the various Buddhist traditions. And we know that many of you have practiced a wide variety of meditative and spiritual teachings and techniques and uh, have t different teachers. And we have no judgment of that. That's fine. But if while you're here, you can put aside your other practices and techniques and other things that you've done or do or know how to do. Just put them aside and see if you can really hear what it is we're saying. Practice that and so that you can see for yourself and really get your own understanding based on your own experience. And uh, then you can choose to integrate it into your life uh, or integrated into your other practices or with your other practices as you see fit or as you see is beneficial to you. There are some of you among us who I think are here for your first ever retreat. Can I just see who you are? You are the lucky ones. Now I'll tell you why. In some ways you don't have a prior retreat experience to contaminate your experience while you're here. And while that may leave you with a lot of anticipation or expectations or apprehensions, uh, 
It's all new. And sometimes in life it's difficult to find something new in any particular day. And so I applaud your courage and I respect your uh, curiosity, really, to come and see what it is that awareness or meditation or the teachings of the Buddha is all about. I don't think you'll be disappointed. Do good deeds, avoid causing harm, and purify your mind. These are the teachings of the Buddha. And even though the Buddha's teachings are codified in more than 40 volumes of what are considered the Pali Canon, and there are millions of commentaries on the Buddha's teachings available to us from every country that the, word, that the teachings of the Buddha have gone to, it really is just this simple. Do good deeds, avoid causing harm, and purify your mind. And when we say to do good deeds, what we really mean is be a good human being. Really look around you and see what it is that typifies or exemplifies the goodness of a human being. What is it when you see, when you kind of scroll through or survey your uh, kind of Facebook friends <laughs> or <laughs> famous personages in history, if you will, what is it that makes you really recognize someone as being, oh, a good human being? You know, they're kind, they're generous, they're, you know, understanding, they're patient, they're tolerant, they're a benefactor to you, to themselves, they don't cause harm. They exemplify, really, the goodness of a human being. You know, they may be poor, they may be whatever, but their heart is good. And so when we say, or when the Buddha says to do good deeds, he means to act from that place of goodness that we all know very well within us. And to be a benefactor to yourself, to your friends, to your family, to each other, rather than a burden. And it's a simple choice. And we're offered this choice every day in everything we do. To just see how in this situation we can exemplify the best that we know is within us. That's what it means to do good. To avoid causing harm means to, well, to know what harm is. To really have looked within yourself to know what causes you harm. When people or others speak or act in certain ways and you feel a twinge of discomfort or pain or shame or humiliation or isolation or fear, you know what? You know what causing harm is. You felt it. And when, with your awareness, you've really taken that in and registered it as being harmful activity, then to have the integrity and to have the compassion to not act that way yourself. But this takes practice. It takes awareness to really pay attention to what causes and what, what conditions give rise to a feeling of pain in yourself. Pain or isolation, fear, social pain, physical pain, psychological pain, emotional pain. And then to really live with awareness and a commitment, uh, integrity, to um, treat others in a way that they too would not have to feel pain from something you have carelessly or intentionally said or done. Both the doing good and the avoid causing harm 
is only possible if we're aware, if we really are paying attention to our life. There are many guides to life. And if you aren't familiar with all that's available, you just look at the magazines on the checkout counter when you go through the grocery line. There's all kinds of advice being offered in those magazines. But really, it's from paying attention that we know for ourselves what uh, causes harm and what is doing good. So this life of awareness is necessary even from the very beginning of our practice. While we can accept advice or take advice or guidance and instruction, it's because we pay attention that we'll know for sure and be able to live with confidence in our choices, what we say and do, and how we navigate the conditions of life. And the third of the teachings of the Buddha is to purify your mind. And this has two elements. The first is to um, recognize the disturbances in the mind. The, the mental states that cause you to be anxious or fearful or upset or depressed or angry or emotionally entangled with what's going on in the present moment. And we all know them. We all live with them. They, they, they take us over often. We, 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 we get entangled in them. And a large part of the practice of awareness is, is becoming familiar with them. Just cataloging the disturbing states of mind that we live with. In the cataloging and with the awareness of them, we begin to understand them. We begin to see the causes and conditions for their arising. We begin to see how to exercise some restraint, not acting them out blindly. We begin to understand how to live without them, how not to get entangled. Let the conditions arise who don't get entangled in them. So there's two elements to this purifying the mind. One is really beginning to see and temporarily kind of stepping back from the disturbances of the mind, if you will. And the second part is to really understand how you get entangled and how to remain unentangled from these states of mind. So one is identifying and calming the mind down. And the third, the second way is to really understand why these states of mind arise. And we all know, you know, what our you know, kind of predilection is, as I, I can't say I like to say, but I often say about myself, uh, I don't think I was born with the patience gene. And impatience has been a challenging and kind of a disturbing state of mind that I deal with a lot. Coincidentally, my wife's name is Patience, or Pacencia. And we've had this ongoing uh, dialogue whether she arrived in my life as a teacher or a reminder or just someone who has a lot of patience to set an example for me. But nevertheless, I'm still working with my uh, challenge in uh, being patient with conditions. And I'm sure each of you have your own recognizable uh, habits of mind, whether it's being fearful or depressed or irritated or angry or insatiably desirous or fearful, curious, doubtful. We don't have to suffer with those states of mind, no matter how deeply rooted the habit is in our mind. And it is through awareness that we can begin to recognize them recognizes the causes and conditions that give rise to them and how to disentangle from them. It is generosity 
that one can rely on for one's happiness, wealth, and humanity. That might initially seem a little difficult to kind of grok uh, initially. Partly because, and if we recognize that, we may not have taken stock of how it is we got to where we are today in our life. We all have been so blessed with so much from so many directions and so many people for so long, we take it for granted and don't see it anymore. Everything that we've depended on in our life has been offered to us, beginning with our parents and other caregivers and everything since. And it is from their willingness to share, to teach, to guide, to offer us what they know about life and the material resources to live a life that we're able to be here. When you remember that, when you recognize that, then you understand that others' generosity is the source of your happiness, your sense of well-being, your humanity. And when you recognize that, you can't help but want to be to reciprocate and to share your life and your knowledge and your time and your energy and your material resources to support others and to be a benefactor in the lives of everyone around you. It is an option, again, it is a choice we have every day with everyone we meet, whether to share our life with them. And if you choose to, you can't help but be happy. Living in harmony, too, is a real refuge in that it makes one pleasing, delightful, and free from destructive states of mind. Living in harmony is essentially uh, making a commitment to speak and act with care and consideration for others. We might just call it compassion. Here on the retreat, we'll be taking the precepts to not harm through killing, stealing, sexual misconduct, and others. In our life, learning how to live in harmony is essential. And awareness is the key. All of us have difficult relationships. We all have disharmony in our life at times. And if you really look at and bring your awareness to those relationships, why? What is the source of the disharmony? If we pay attention, or to the degree we pay attention, we begin to understand where disharmony comes from in our life. And let me tell you, let me give you a, a clue and a secret. It's not always their fault. I know it looks that way initially, but when we really understand ourselves and we have awareness of our own motivation in speaking and doing and acting, we begin to see things more clearly. We begin to understand things more clearly. And in that, we can disentangle, we can let go of causing disharmony among others, with others. But again, it is a practice of awareness. And without awareness, um, good luck. We can see uh, the results displayed on the front page of Google or um, any newspaper or news magazine you want to look at. You can see the result of a life of no awareness. It's a lot of harm. And it's rampant in the world. And so if we just live the way people always have lived, that's what we can expect. But if we live with awareness and a commitment to awareness and to speak and act from our understanding of awareness, our, our life can be different. 
we can live in harmony with one another. We can live in harmony with ourselves, and we can live in harmony, greater harmony, with one another. I like this next section. Let there be only a few things that you attend to, a few words that you say, and a few hours that you spend sleeping. You can tell this was originally written by a monk, <laughs> as if there were, it was possible to only be a, f- a few things that you attend to. Is there anyone here who doesn't multitask most of their day? Why? Well, it's a habit. It's just a habit. And if your life is not suitable to you, if it's not a life of ease and contentment and happiness and fulfillment, you might look there to begin. Doing more, multitasking, having a kind of an overfilled social and you know, professional schedule may not be the way to happiness or freedom. I know it's the social conditioning and expectation of our time and our age and our life and lifestyle. And this is an important caveat. Awareness may change your life. Oh, I should say, it definitely will. And so it takes some courage, and I know it takes courage. And it takes a lot of commitment. It takes a lot of energy. And it sometimes takes a fearlessness to confront your social conditioning, your family conditioning, your cultural conditioning, in order to liberate your own mind from its deeply conditioned habits. Why do we do that? Well, so that we suffer less. So that we suffer less. Here on retreat, you have nothing to do except your yogi job. Now, I have to say that uh, we three teachers here who have designed this schedule as we have, it's a little different than other schedules that you may have seen on retreat, have been challenged by the staff here who, who do not believe that this schedule supports you doing your yogi job. So let me just say that your ability to make it to your yogi job on time every day is going to be a reflection of our skill teaching. There it is, okay. A reflection of your awareness. So I just want to emphasize how important it is to, to, to remember your yogi job when it is and to, to keep that commitment. But I also want to put that in the context of there really isn't that much to do here. There's nothing else that's so special, so urgent, so commanding in being here and hopefully in your life that is going to make your life feel busy and, and, and just too full. We live a very full life. And maybe many of you brought your to-do list with you or you have it available in your um, cell phone. As much as possible, please put it aside. I know probably Elizabeth has mentioned cell phones are a distraction. You can be aware of your cell phone. You can be aware of turning it on. You can be aware of reading things, but that's about as far as awareness will go. And then your mind gets entangled. So be really careful about your need to uh, engage the world that way. 
So let there be only a few things that you attend to, and let there be few words that you say. And here on retreat, of course, we're practicing noble silence, which means not that you can't speak, but in speaking with us or with others or with the staff as you as you need to, that you only speak about what supports your practice, what really supports awareness. So primarily we're in silence, but when you need to speak to us uh, or to the staff, to really limit the, the range of topics so that you just stay uh, in the field of awareness. And let there be only a few hours that you spend sleeping. Um, that was definitely written by a monk. <laughs> and at the monastery where we practiced in Burma, this monk's monastery, uh, we were allowed to sleep as much as we want within a four-hour limit, but no more than. Here, we don't impose that on you. You can sleep as much as you like as long as it supports your awareness. You know, sometimes we need to rest. We need to rest the body. We need to rest our mind. And so you can sleep. But be careful about indulging in uh, laziness, uh, indulging in comfort, indulging in avoidance of dealing with your own mind and body. And that's what sleeping does. So be, be here fully. You know, uh, fulfill your commitment to yourself in being here. And uh, really try to get the benefit from your time of practicing awareness. Love solitude. Be willing to learn and seek good friends. Now some are going to say, how can you love solitude and seek good friends at the same time? Sometimes we're alone. Solitude is the ability to be alone and enjoy it. To be alone with yourself. To be alone in a room, to be alone in nature, to be alone in a crowd. And to really enjoy you know, the experience of your own mind and body. That's solitude. You don't have to go away, you don't have to isolate yourself, you don't have to live in a cave in Asia somewhere for solitude. It really is an attitude of mind. Can you be self-contained? And to find a way to do that is a challenge sometimes. And here, you have the opportunity to, to really cultivate solitude, even among a group of 70 or 80 of us, learning how to be alone and to really enjoy the experience of being alone. Be willing to learn. Some of what you'll hear in our teachings may be new, may be contrary to what you've heard before or expected to hear. But really look to see what your attitude of mind is towards what you hear. Are you willing to take it in? Are you willing to give it a try? Are you willing to suspend your disbelief or your doubt or your resistance? None of us really has outgrown the need to keep learning while we know a lot. And we've learned a lot in all of the experiences of our life. It's not over yet. There's more to learn. And really working to be willing to learn. Be open to learning. Be open to hearing uh, what you haven't heard before. Or to take it in or to correct some misunderstandings. Is, is a noble effort, really. And it's not always easy. But I invite you to, to notice with awareness whether you are really willing to learn from what we say and from what you experience about yourself. Can you really let your body and your mind teach you what suffering is and what the end of suffering is? And then seek good friends. I think we're here. I think we're all here in some part maybe unknowingly, but looking for uh, kindred folk. I certainly know when I came to uh, IMS uh, 30-some years ago, 
I was probably looking for other people who I thought looked like, acted like, thought like, believed like I did. Of course, we were in silence all the time, and how was I to know? But actually, there's a lot that we share in silence. And you can know a lot about uh, each other, and you will know a lot about each other at the end of the retreat, even though you may never have spoken to each other. Just by the way we fulfill our commitment being here, how we practice, the integrity of our practice, the quality of our being that's displayed through our behavior. And we'll see what good friends we can become uh, spending time together like this. Continuous mindful awareness leads to insightful understanding of the causal relationship between the mind and the body. What we will be encouraging you to do is to develop as much continuity in your awareness as you can. Because it is the continuity of awareness that is the key to developing deeply insightful understanding of the way things are. We can binge. We can binge for an hour and take an hour off and jump in for another hour and take another hour off, but it's just not going to develop the power of mind to see deeply. And so it's really a commitment to just be continuous. You don't have to struggle. You don't have to bend yourself out of shape. You just have to be willing in each moment to acknowledge this is the way it is. This is what the body's doing right now. This is what the body feels like right now. This is what the mind is doing right now. And just acknowledge that moment after moment after moment. You don't have to try to create anything. You don't have to seek a meditative experience. You don't have to look for anything you've ever read in a book or anything you've ever experienced or have yet to experience in a retreat. Let that all go. There's something happening right now in the body. What is it? Heat, cold, comfortable, uncomfortable, pressure, pleasant, unpleasant. It's not, so, it's not so far away. It's not so difficult to know. Awareness is to know that. And so too with the mind. Now you've been sitting here for nearly an hour listening to different people talk. What's going on in the mind? Bored, sleepy, tired, curious, excited, you know, expectant, hopeful, what, whatever. That's it. That's all that's going on. Can you recognize that? We don't need to do anything but recognize what's going on in the body, what's going on in the mind, moment after moment. And the moment starts when you wake up, and that sequence of moment ends when you fall asleep. And in between, that's the job. Can we be aware of just the simplicity, the ordinariness, the mundane, experiences of the body and mind moment to moment. In that, there is great power of mind. Unbelievable power of mind comes from the continuity. And with that continuity, we see deeply into the relationship between the mind and the body. How they are talking to each other all the time. This takes insight. And the insight is displayed or it's revealed to us in recognizing their common characteristics, which are whatever you experience in the body and mind is impermanent. It is unreliable. It's unstable. And it is insubstantial. There's really not much to it. It comes into being. We see it and it's gone. Whatever you have experienced in your life has ended. It's over. It's past. Can we see that really deeply and know that and live with that understanding? We can with the continuity of awareness. Awareness will reveal that. Such wisdom leads to lasting peace. And this is the the goal. This is the direction that the teachings of the Buddha points. 
towards an enduring sense of well-being and a lasting peace. Not just tranquility, not bliss, not some excitement, not joy, but leads to true peace of mind. It's possible. This meditation center, while we're here and has been for many, a few decades now, is and should be a quiet place where we strengthen our faith in ourselves, in our practice, in the teachings of the Buddha, in our own understanding, where we practice generosity, both receiving it from the staff, the benefactors of this place, all of the teachers that have been here, and where we offer support for the continuity of this place, where we live in harmony for the time that we're here by undertaking the precepts, and where we practice awareness that calms and liberates the mind. So I hope you'll be able to reflect, well, read this encouraging counsel and reflect on the, what is said here, really, and how it affects uh, your life and how it uh, affects your practice uh, when you're here. I want to thank you all for making the choice to care for yourself in this way, to come on retreat and to look, to really look at your life, to look at what's going on. Uh, I know it's not easy. It's not easy to find the time, or often it's not easy to find the material resources, and it's not easy easy to find the courage to to look at what's going on here. And so I want to uh, acknowledge that and uh, value that for you and with you. And I look forward to spending this time with you and having the opportunity to practice uh, awareness with you over the next nine days. So as um, Steve mentioned, we s- we'll start the retreat by taking, we take precepts or kind of a conscious agreements of non-harming behavior. And also uh, classically in, in Asian Buddhist countries, every retreat, every day of conscious practice, we begin by taking what's called the three refuges. And we love to do this. It's on, you'll, you'll, if you look in one of your sheets... These are for the people who haven't done this before. A long sheet, which has the refuges and precepts in the English and also in the Pali language. So I just want to say, just for a moment, to keep it brief, that we really like to take these together not as, uh, it's not just an empty formality or it's a nice tradition, but really, in some way, everything that, as far as I can understand, everything the Buddha taught in some way is helping us to wake up into awareness, helping us to recognize how suffering is created in the mind, how freedom from suffering arises in a moment, when, a moment when the mind's pure. And the, as Steve said, the steadiness of awareness actually allows this wisdom of uh, freedom from suffering to arise by itself. You'll see as we go along, it's actually, it sounds like it's a lot to do and it's all day, but it's actually so much less effortful than you think. And every, everything we're talking about and doing your, your yogi job and everything is a way of helping us to recognize and cultivate and trust awareness. So it's like there's no way out of it and it actually is great. It's a relief. It's wonderful. So in beginning by taking the, uh, chanting the three refuges together, and then the precepts. The refuges going to the Buddha for refuge, the Dhamma for refuge, the Sangha for refuge. Of course, for classical um, 
people who, in, in Buddhist countries, that has a, a meaning, a very faith-based meaning in the, the form of Buddhist teaching. But it also, to me, has always had a much uh, more intimate and immediately experienceable meaning in moving into a retreat and starting in a day of uh, consciously acknowledging shifting my commitment consciously acknowledging my motivation. So, you know, we go through our day, la, 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 maybe I'll be aware, maybe I won't. You know, we just act from habit. Even you wake up in the morning and go, in our daily life, I'm really going to just be aware today, right? How long does that last? I'm going to be kind today, you know? I mean, today, I went down to the supermarket in town. On the way, I'm thinking, oh, I've got to get some food to drop off in the library for the Berry Food Bank. I walked in the supermarket. Did I remember to get food? No. It was a two-minute drive. I'm coming back by the library. All right, I didn't remember to get food for the Barry Food Bank. All, you know, nice intentions, good intentions, a fat lot of good it did. So I'm not putting myself down, but I'm saying it's like moment by moment of awareness. So just going to the Buddha for refuge is really reminding myself, Buddha means awake, one who is awake. Going to that potential for awakening mind and heart in me right now. For, for just committing to myself for this moment that I'd rather take refuge in awakefulness than taking refuge in the habit of dullness, than taking refuge in boredom, than taking refuge in comfort, than taking refuge in anger, you know, whatever our habit is at that moment. It's not saying I should or I'm bad. It's just a reminder, yes, this is what's important to me, waking up. I take refuge in that intention. There's no should, there's no good or bad. It's just a shift, a conscious commitment to yourself. I go to the Dhamma for refuge. Similar, Dhamma means the way things are, the truth of things. And only by allowing our awareness, our full presence, to surrender into how things are in this moment. That's where truth reveals itself. There's nothing else. So I go to the Dhamma for refuges here, now. This moment can reveal the truth. It's in this moment that suffering arises in the mind, in this moment that freedom from suffering can arise in the mind. And only if I'm here to be here with this moment. So I take refuge in the Dhamma, take refuge in how things are. And we forget in the next moment, fine, we can take refuge again. So we're just recommitting to ourselves, only to ourselves. I go to the Sangha. Sangha means community. So as Steve was saying, good friends, like-minded people. And here, when you're just feeling like I can't stand it another minute, we see somebody else and go, they can do it. I can do it. And you'll find out later that other people were looking at you when you thought you were just the worst person here, useless, and someone was looking at you and saying, if they can do it, I can do it. We're all here taking turns supporting each other, like-mindedness. It's a great, great gift in this crazy world. Go to the Sangha for refuge, to the goodness of all of us. We're not going to each other's crazy personalities for refuge, no, no. No, we're not even going to our own personalities for refuge, but we're going to the heart of goodness, the heart of beauty, the heart of truth that each of us knows in ourselves and at times will manifest. We'll take turns manifesting that. So we'll do that together. And then taking the precepts, as Steve said, it's a classical, it's kind of like a protection. Taking the precept, the training, the rules of training, they're not meant as external external pressure you have to do this or you're bad you know it's a, a way of helping us bring our conscious attention our conscious awareness to our speech to our actions what causes suffering for myself or others you know and what causes suffering if we obviously killing beings harming beings that's clear but just at the times when we're overtaken by aversion. Hopefully we won't kill each other. And there's not too many insects. This is a really, this is one of the best times in Massachusetts, I want to tell you. (laughs) When you're here in May, this is a very serious precept because the black flies are horrible. And to be outside 
and to walk outside and not kill black flies. It's a real commitment of awareness to really explore in the mind what comes up when I want to just slap that sucker, you know, and see the suffering in your own mind about it. So here is, you know, it's not going to be so hard, but it's really to see what it brings up. I undertake the training to refrain from taking what has not been offered, what has not been given. Cultivating contentment, cultivating ease and presence and happiness in the mind. Oh, if only I had that, but I don't. Just as things are now. I don't need to create the suffering of taking what's not given. In daily life, this third precept, taking the training to refrain from um, to abstain from sexual activity that causes harm. That's in a daily life. Here on retreat, we agree not to act on our sexual energy to be celibate. And this is really not that there's a problem with sexual energy. It's more in terms of really keeping our energy to ourselves for our own exploring and to offer safety and um, seclusion to each other. The fourth, I undertake the training to refrain from false speech from lying. Here, as Steve said, most of the time we're in noble silence, so refraining from most speech. And if you need to speak, just noticing why. Noticing what's the mind coming up against when we want to speak. And is it useful? Great. Is it not useful? Can we just be quiet? Again, it's not like an outer law. It's to help us wake up to why we're doing what we're doing. What's motivating our speech? What's motivating our actions? And what kind of speech brings suffering? to ourselves and others, and what kind of speech is useful, brings goodness to ourselves and others. We only learn that by being present when we speak and when we don't speak. And the, four, the fifth, which is um, pretty obvious, I undertake the training to abstain from using substances that cloud the mind or heart, drugs, alcohol. Um, I mean, that's pretty clear. We come here to wake up. We're not here for, to take recreational drugs, alcohol, that dull the mind, cause confusion. This does not refer to any kind of medicinal uh, prescription medicine that you're taking. Please stay on all your medicine. We're not talking about that. We're talking about recreational dulling out. And even you may think it's not dulling out. It's getting really high and really great. It's causing confusion in the mind. So these are the five precepts that we used to align our heart and mind with non-harming. And there's three others, eight precepts. We're not going to talk about those tonight. Those are classically taken in um, monasteries in, in Buddhist countries. And sometimes people come on retreat and want to do that. We'll talk about that tomorrow. It's nothing you need to worry about at all or even think about at the moment. And we like to do them in Pali just because it's pretty. <laughs> and it's, it's made for chanting and it just uh, kind of well we like it and it wakes up the mind and heart so the first homage to the blessed one the perfected one the fully enlightened one that's just always started that way three times and then taking the refuges three times the precepts just once so this, the, are the people who are new this is also new to you right are there people here who, have, who are not at all familiar with this? Would you raise your hand? Okay. So then we'll do a call and response. That's right. That's the only reason I was asking. So we'll start. I'll chant a few, a few words, and you just do it right after me. Okay? If you're super uncomfortable chanting, that's okay. You don't have to. You can just listen, and that's fine. Say it internally. Oh, we put our hands like this. We're doing this because it's, well, really, we, it's, it's really the tradition in Asia. It's a sign of respect. It's not like praying to a higher power or something. Again, you don't need to do this. We're not trying to inculcate Asian habits with you. To us, they're really like second nature now. Same like when we come in and, and bow to the statue of the Buddha. We're not like, okay, I don't know what they're doing. I'm not bowing to a statue. I'm actually uh, taking the three refuges when I come in and do that. And at the end when I do this, I'm sharing the merits, sharing the blessings. So just so you know, it's not something we're putting out that you need to do, okay? So feel free not to. 
Okay, refuges and precepts. <clears throat> Namo tasa. Bhagavato, Arahato, Sama Sampudasa, Namo Tassa, Bhagavato, Arahato, Sama Sampudasa, Namo tasa, Bhagavato, Arahato, Sama Sambuddhasa, Buddhang Sarananga Chami, Dhammang Sarananga Chami, Sangang Sarananga Chami, Dutiampi Buddhang Sarananga Chami, Dutiampi Dhammang Sarananga Chami, Dutiyampi Sangang Sarananga Chami. Dutiyampi Sangang Sarananga Chami. Dutiyampi Budang Sarananga Chami. Dutiyampi Budang Sarananga Chami. Dutiyampi Tamang Sarananga Chami. Dhatiyampi Sankang Sarananga Chami. Dhatiyampi Sankang Sarananga Chami. Panati Pata. Veramani Sikapadang Samadhyami Apramacharya Veramani Sikapadang Samadhyami Musawada Veramani Sikapadang Samadhyami Sura Miraya Vajapamadatana Veramani Sikapadang Samadhyami Then if you go to the line underneath number eight, the Sajidang. Idang me silang, Magapala nyanasa, Pachayo, O tu. And I like that line because it's just pointing out that all aspects of the practice lead to complete awakening. That's what we're saying there. So also uh, every morning in the sitting before breakfast, we'll just redo the refuges and precepts just to refresh our commitment to ourselves, our motivation. So, well, it's 9.30. We don't really want to go on a long time. So first of all, we'll just have a very short sitting, like five minutes. But also, this isn't really... Sitting is... Sitting and walking and standing and working and lying down and eating and awareness is about all of it. So we talk about sitting, but sitting is just, you know, when we're sitting, we're sitting, but then the rest of the time we're doing other stuff. Sitting isn't somehow holy. That's all I want to say. So it's not that we don't sit a long time. It means somehow we're sloughing things off.
but just to settle the mind a little. Um, can you stand to sit for five minutes, or do you want to stand up for a minute, just to stand up and stretch your legs? No, you can handle five minutes. Okay. Huh? What are you... You can do it standing up. It's true. If you want to do it standing up, it makes that's totally fine. It is. So, I'm not going to really do much in terms of instructions or technique now. Just uh, as you're sitting there or standing, which is fine, just let your body relax. Just sit and feel your body sitting. You can have your eyes open or closed, whichever is most comfortable, most uh, familiar, easy for you. No difference, no problem either way. And just as you're sitting now, just take a breath, let your body relax. And just quite easily, not looking for anything in particular, but just quite naturally notice how the body feels. Maybe you feel what comes to your attention is a sense of your whole body sitting. Maybe you feel the kind of like a sense of the outline and a lot of sensations and none clear. That's fine. Or maybe what sensations come to your awareness is particular ones like uh, your hands touching or coolness. Maybe you feel a tightness in your shoulders, or maybe your head feels heavy. Maybe you feel like the pressure where your sit bones are on the cushion. There's no right or wrong, but just gently and easily, letting whatever sensations are arising as you sit, just be noticed. So the you know our conscious our consciousness is the mind is just knowing sensations that's what it does and when we recognize that that's awareness it's that simple. Just seeing how the body feels. And let the mind relax. What does that mean? It means just how the mind the heart feels right now. Let it be that way. Just notice it. It's not like a place, but maybe mentally you feel really sleepy. Okay, relax and just feel sleepiness. It's like this. No problem. Maybe your mind feels kind of tight. Maybe you feel blank. Maybe you got a lot of thoughts swirling around. Just notice what's presenting itself in the mental realm. Maybe you're sad. Maybe you're happy. Maybe you have no clue. You notice that. What the heck is she talking about? Oh, that's a thought. Notice that. Just relax. Let the body be as it is. And notice how it feels. Let the mind be as it is. Notice how it feels. Many of you will have a a familiar way that you're used to practicing. Maybe you feel your breath when you sit, or you feel your whole body sensations, or maybe you open to hearing. That's fine. If that arises naturally, particular physical sensation or sounds, and that's a way that you're familiar, helps the mind steady a bit, fine, that's fine, let that arise. But it's not necessary. You can also just feel your body sitting. Notice sounds as they come and go. Not needing to just be with one particular experience, but just knowing what's happening right now. 
heaviness, that's fine. It doesn't have to be really clear or precise. So you're not trying to create anything. Just learning to to recognize. Let awareness just be with the physical, the mental sensations that are arising by themselves. Thank you all for being here, for your commitment to your own happiness and the well-being of yourself and others. And just to see how just, just being present with things as they are, even in a little way, allows the mind to begin to stabilize, to begin to quiet down a little bit. This takes patience, not trying to create some fancy thing. So please take rest. And as you begin to stand up and walk out, We're still, there's still physical sensations, the mind's still doing stuff. We just simply notice how the mind's reacting, how the body feels. Very simple, very natural, but just being present with yourself. Just remembering yourself. That's all. As soon as you think, oh, what am I doing? You're here. That's how much effort it takes. As you walk out, as you wash, as you get ready for bed, as you lie down to sleep. Just this easy, natural being with your mind, with your body. Not trying to make it any different. Totally letting, just being with how it is. And please have a good rest. And then you wake up tomorrow at 5.15 and we sit again at 5.45 in the morning. Okay? So thank you all and take rest. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.